We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, DP, the NY Fanatic. Presented by Manscaped, this is the Knicks Playoff, yes, Playoff Preview Show, and this is a crossover edition featuring WFAN's Bankshot Podcast. Today's guest, my guy, he covers the Knicks and the Giants, one of my favorite reporters for both teams, and returning to the show is John Smelk. John, how you doing today? CP, what up, man? Good to be back. Glad glad to have you on once again, John. Glad to be talking playoff basketball. I didn't think we would be here this year so fast, but nevertheless, here we are. And, you know, talk about where you had. How, how did you feel about how this team finished fourth in the East compared to where they were expected to be, you know, at the beginning of the season? I mean, dude, pick your adjective. Miraculous, unbelievable unfathomable take take your pick i mean they all apply i think all of us thought at this time we'd be talking about ping pong balls and not be talking about playoff rounds but the good news is that we are and you got to give tom thibodeau credit you got to give julius randall credit the front office credit rj barrett credit go down the list it's too long to get through everybody we only have an hour here so it's just an unbelievable job by everybody involved and really i i, I know it's tough but nick fans should look at everything from here on out as gravy right yeah i mean to get where they are now is a super successful season. You can't say yeah. it enough. Hawks are a tough series. Be happier here. Enjoy yeah. the playoff round. Root like helping them to win. Hope it works out. But even if this season ends in the first round against Atlanta, still a success. Yeah, I, I agree, man. We're, we're going in with house money. Proud as hell of, of the effort of this team and the improvement abound, you know, from Julius to RJ to, you know, the surprise of Emmanuel quickly being the steal of, a, of the draft. Derrick Rose trade coming in and really being the X factor for this team. I, I, I got to look at Tibbs as the true coach of the year, man, because he took David Fisdale's team. Yes, they brought in Burks and they brought in Noel and they've had their impacts, Rose as well. But he took this team that was ranked 23rd or 24th in, in the league in defense under Fisdale and Miller. And they are finished third 
in defense. Number one against opponents' points per game. Number one opponents' field goal percentage. Number one opponents' three-point field goal percentage. You talk about the the prowess from the corner threes and upping their three-point percentage around the league. Offense also taking an uptick. Uh, Talk a little bit about the job that Thibodeau has done with this team. Yeah, and look, the team's gotten better throughout the year. You know, a lot of times you'll get that spark from the head coach to start the year. Other teams adjust to you, and then all of a sudden you start to peter out a little bit. This team got better. CP, they went through a stretch of the last five out of six at a point after the All-Star game. It looked like Randall might have been running out of gas. It was right after he got kneed in the thigh. You thought maybe the minutes were taking a toll on him. And then that nine-game winning streak comes. And you're like, wow, this team has more left in the tank. Derrick Rose in that road trip shoots like 60% from the fields, over 50% from three. He's played his butt off. R.J. Barrett, you know, his the weakness of his game used to be his jump shot. Now it's his strength. I mean, yeah. he's one of the better catch-and-shoot players on the team after Reggie Bullock and Emmanuel Quickly and Julius, obviously. So, yeah, look, Thibodeau's gotten them here. I would vote for him for Coach of the Year. I think there is a legitimate argument for Monty Williams, even to Quinn Snyder. Uh, I think there is. But given what this Nick franchise was and has been, with generally speaking the same players, mm. combine – the player development with getting more out of this group as a whole. And I think the fact that they have the, I think it's the 11th best record is where it ended at the regular season is a borderline miracle. Because if you compare, and this is not taking shots at the guys in the Knicks roster, but if you look at the second best player on the Knicks and compare him to the second best player on nearly every other playoff team, yeah, this is better than some of the teams, but not many. Yeah. So what Thibodeau's gone out of this group, I mean, the second best player is either 20-year-old R.J. Bader or 32-year-old Derrick Rose. Other teams are rolling out, you know, Ben Simmons and <laughs> Devontae Booker. Right. I mean, it isn't in the same category. So that's why, to me, Tom Thibodeau should be coach of the year, no question. Do, doing a lot with a little, no doubt about it, man. And we talk about Julius Randle going into this series against the Hawks. Absolutely destroyed the Hawks in the regular season matchup over the three games he's at he was averaging 37 points on 50 percent shooting from three 58 percent 58 percent from from uh field goal destroying John Collins Capella whoever they threw at him what are you expecting from Julius in this series now now see I don't want to put the pressure on the guy because it's not fair but you know CPI honestly believe that he's going to have to be dominant now I'm not asking for 37 points per game on 38, on 58% shooting. Is that, that ain't going to happen probably because the Hawks are going to adjust here. But he's going to have to probably average close to 30 a game if the Knicks want to win this series. Yeah. Now, if the Hawks double him all the time and he averages like 12, 13 assists and a bunch of guys are hitting threes, then you can throw that out the window, and that could happen. But he has to be a dominant player, whether it's with scoring or with his passing. He's the difference maker for the Knicks in the series. He's where they have the advantage. John Collins is a good player. He can't hang with Julius Randle. No, no. Can you imagine Danilo Gallinari trying to guard Julius Randle? No, 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 no. Not happening. Neither is Clint Capella. Yeah. So DeAndre Hunter, he's going to bully him in the post. So Cam Reddish, same deal. They don't have an answer for Randle. So how the Hawks handle him is really going to be a key to the series and how Randle adjusts to how the Hawks handle him because he really is the Knicks' big advantage. They need him to come up and play like the all-NBA player he's going to be this year big time and and, uh as you said they they really don't have 
that uh, that guy. But you know, one thing Hunter did not play in the regular season matchups against against the Knicks, and he's one of the guys coming out of college in Virginia. I really liked his defensive yeah, versatility. Um, he had an excellent excellent turn, tournament run for Virginia. Really reminded me of like a Kawhi on the on the come up, and now he's he's finished the season strong. We'll see how Nate McMillan tries to uh, utilize him against Julius. You know, maybe they go to zone. Maybe they do utilize a bit more traps and double teaming to get the ball out of his hands and make their, you know, Nick supporting cast beat him. But I agree with you. I think Julius, he's going to have to be that guy for us to win this series. There's no doubt. And for me, he's got to be better at just making those quick decisions when they throw those doubles at him, when they throw those traps at him. You know, don't panic under that pressure. Trust his teammates. Trust Rose. Hopefully he's out there to, to kind of help take the pressure off him. R.J. Bullock as well. And on the flip side, you know, Julius is going to have to guard John Collins because John Collins is a guy, especially from three, he's not afraid to let it fly. He's going to be attacking the glass. And so Julius is also going to have his work cut out for him on, on both ends, both ends of the floor. And by the way, he's going to have to rebound too because yeah. Clint Capella basically just, you know, Manchild, no yeah. Nerlens Noel in those last two games they played against them. Yep. He had 40 rebounds in those two games, believe it or not. Monster. Crazy. No, you're right, though. John Collins is, is – I, I tweeted this the other day. He's kind of like a double-edged sword. You know, one weakness of this Knicks defense this year, and there have not been many, they don't tend to handle bigs that shoot the ball from deep very well. They, you know, they over-rotate a lot, and a lot of times the big man doesn't get out to his guy. And right. in the three games against the Knicks, I tracked this. Collins was 7 of 12 from three in mm-hmm. those three games. So he can score. He averaged 18 a game against the Knicks yeah. during those three games. But, look – He'll score. He's a really good player. There's a reason he's going to be one of the better free agents that are available this offseason. But he can't cover Randall. And, look, I don't want to put us down the Alfred Payton rabbit hole this early in the show because I know there's no escape from that rabbit hole. (laughs) But if he's on the floor a lot with Julius Randall, and if I'm Nate McMillan, and I think, CP, if you're Nate McMillan, aren't you just double-teaming Julius Randall with whomever's covering Alfred Payton every single position? 100%. 100 percent if i'm them i'm not even paying attention to them and you know definitely want to want to touch on that because um where do we go here with this point guard rotation you know i was on uh, on with ian begley and, and those guys earlier and i i don't think they're gonna make a panic move just yet maybe as the series progresses he goes that way but i'm going rose right off the bat john i'm not playing games there's there's no room for error for me i don't want a s- slow start I'm not trying to play catch-up. I'm going right to Rose, the true floor general of this team. I'll go to Burks to back him up. And I just feel like in this series, with the amount of firepower that the Hawks have on the perimeter, and we'll get to Trey Young after this, you have uh, Lou Williams, you have Bogdanovich, Herder, Tony Snell, a lot of firepower there. We need Frank, to me. We need his defense in there to, to get those guys out of the rhythm, out of their rhythm. No, CPM with you, look. I think we've figured out, I know you guys have the Frank Hive over here, and I, I'm a member. I, I own a lot of real estate on Frank Island. No one's been a bigger supporter of him than I have. But right now, look, he's not a point guard. Whether or not he's going to become one, fine. Tibbs doesn't trust him to play that role. So I'm with you, though. If I'm the coach of the Knicks, and thank goodness I'm not, I'm starting the series of the Rose as my starter. The margin of error in the playoffs is so small, you can't throw away 15 minutes a game. Right on Alfred Payton because you're not going to be able to make that up. The Hawks are too good. The Hawks are a good pass. They have a better record than the Knicks do in their last 37 games yeah. since Nate McMillan took over as head coach. As good as the Knicks have been, the Hawks have been better. Yeah. And they're healthier, healthier mm-hmm. now than they have been all year. So they're really good. You can't afford to put yourself in that five, six point, whatever Payton's going to be whole for a couple reasons. One, 
I don't trust him to, to be up on Young as much as he needs to defensively. Um, you know, he gets lazy off ball sometimes. Number two, the way you make a team like the Hawks pay for having Trey Young out there is by attacking him on defense. And do you trust Alfred Payton to attack anybody on defense? Right. I don't. So I think what I do here is that you start the game with Rose. You want to put Rose on Trey Young to start the game, that's fine. Maybe you put a Reggie Bullock on him a little bit too. You can do that. And then I think with the second unit, you roll out with Burks as your point guard. And then I think you have Frank come in as your off-ball defender right. type. And I think that's how you roll out that second unit with IQ. So you would have Frank in, you know, basically cover Young or whoever the point guard is. I'd try to match those two up as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, Burks guard the three, and then you'd have IQ guard the two. That's how I would roll with it. I don't. I think Thibodeau's too stubborn, man. I can't imagine yeah. going into the playoffs he's going to make that change. I'm hoping that the first game doesn't go so poorly that you have to do it after the first game. But I got to imagine by game three. Peyton's no longer the starter. Unless the Knicks are up 2-0. In which case, he's not going right. to change anything, and we'd, and we'd all sign up for that. Yeah. But, look, Tibbs is stubborn. He likes his guys. I don't see him making that move early, but I really think he should. Uh, I'm with you, man. I'm with you all the way. because, And he's regressed. He's regressed from last year. You know, he's averaging seven dimes last year. And even now, to close the season, he's been a nightmare both on offense and on defense. I think his struggles are starting to get to his head. I'm sure, you know, having Rose and Burks back and knowing that his role is diminishing is certainly getting to him. And I'm sure, I don't know if he's reading the papers or reading Twitter or whatnot, but I'm sure the the fan reactions can't be helping either. So, um, you know, nothing personal against Peyton, but I just think we've got to get off to the fast start, get our true point guard in there with Burks backing him up, and, and let's see how they go. Now, on the flip side, the Hawks, you know, their point guard is a dynamo. We know that. Trey Young um, missed the half of the – or one quarter of the last game of the season against the Knicks, in which I felt like the Hawks were trending towards a win. How do we contain him in that pick and roll with him and Capella? You know, he's such a dynamic guard. He can kill you from three. His floater's on the point. He finished second in, in the league in assists. I mean, Trey Young is going to be a problem for us this series, man. Yeah, dude, he averaged 12 assists per game against the Knicks this year. It's yeah. a problem. And the Knicks have struggled a little bit this year against elite point guards. Because, CP, you know how the Knicks defense works, right? They collapse the paint, and they rotate a lot. So it's a lot of movement off ball, right. a lot of rotation, guys switching, doing all that sort of stuff off ball, not on ball. Um, and guys like Young, who I think, and I've always thought this, his best skill is his passing, right? He's an elite passer, top five passer in the league. He can see a step or two ahead of the Knicks rotation, so he can make that weak side pass to the baseline of the wing. You know, that usually takes two or three passes to get there sometimes, but with Young, it'll take one, and that's going to set up those open threes, especially with the Knicks maybe collapsing the paint to protect against him driving or Capella as that dive man on that pick and roll. So to me, that's the dangerous thing. And in these playoff series, and a lot of Knicks fans don't remember it because you just haven't seen many of them, by game three, each team knows exactly what the other team is doing. And Trey Young is going to know exactly what the Knicks' rotations are. So how he adjusts to what the Knicks do and how Thibodeau adjusts back, I think is going to be essential. At some point, does Thibodeau Thibodeau just go to a straight-up switch, right, and say, you know what, I'm not going to rotate off ball. I'm going to take the pass away from him, and I'm going to make him score one-on-one. Yeah. Maybe he's going to do that. So that cat-and-mouse game is going to be huge over the course of this series because Trey Young's passing against that, again, heavily rotation-based Knicks defense uh, could be a killer. Because I'm with you in that third game this series, in this season, which is really the important, right? Because the first two, Lloyd Pierce was the head coach of the Hawks, Mm -hmm. and Bogdanovich wasn't playing. 
So how much can you really take out of those? I'm not sure you can. And Mitch Robinson was in that first game too. So if you look at these last two, uh, the last game specifically, Trey Young was tearing the Knicks defense up for three quarters in that game before he got hurt. And I'm having nightmares about that. And they're going to have to figure out a way to slow down his passing game because it really is strong. Big time. Big time threat. And as you said, you know, Lloyd Pierce, this this is almost a completely different Hawks team. Between yep. the guys that are getting back healthy, new coach, twenty six and eleven under under Nate McMillan, and, and finishing eighth in offense, and and it all starts with Young. So I, I'm with you. I may just try to go up with him one on one and try to you know stop the other guys from from going off. Whether it's Bogdanovich, uh, John Collins, you know, limit those guys from getting open looks, and then see where it goes. But I feel like the big guy is going to play a huge factor in this, and that's Clint Capella. I mean, he's been one of the most dominant big men in this league outside of Gobert and a couple others, you know, uh, from a rebounding standpoint, setting screens, screen assists, you know, just being an intimidator around the rim. Capella's going to loom large in this series, man. And unfortunately, we don't have Mitch. We know Noel is a a great help defender and and a rim protector as well. But physically, he doesn't match up with Capella. And on the boards, I feel like Noel is going to have a tall order against him. Yeah, I wonder if at some point in this series you're going to see Taj Gibson play more minutes than Nerlens Noel. And I know that sounds crazy, and this is not taking anything away from Nerlens Noel, because he's yeah. been wonderful, fantastic. He's been great. But he also probably is outweighed by, what, 70 pounds right. to, to Clint Capella. I mean, it just is what it is, and Gibson's a more physical player. And, look, he averaged in the last two games against Noel, uh, having there six and a half offensive rebounds mm. per game and 20 rebounds per game. That's tough to deal with, okay? So, you know, in the last – I'll just give you the numbers here. He had nine offensive rebounds in the the third game against the Knicks, six in the other one. So it's a lot of – that's seven and a half. Sorry, I misspoke before. So containing him on the offensive glass is going to be huge, and I don't really think Noel could do it. That has to be a team effort. And if he struggles, I could see them trying to match up Taj with him a lot because if you look at their lineup, you know, what Noel brings the the best here is rim protection – the Hawks really don't have guys that take it all the way to the hoop, right? right? You know, Trey Young's got that floater game, but how many guys are taking it all the way to the rim? Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Capella rolling to the basket, John Collins rolling to the basket, there's a roll man, sure. But their guards are shooters. They're not really penetrators, per se. So I think you might see more of Taj Gibson as the series goes along than maybe we thought. And it's funny, I had Dan Devine on the bank shot for, for WFN earlier, and he brought up an interesting idea, too, with attacking Young defensively. We talked about Peyton being unable to do it. Maybe you do, and he brought up, remember what the Lakers used to do with LeBron, you know, bring the small up, screen for Randall with Trey Young's guy, and then make the Hawks make a decision, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you can get Young on Randall, then they're scrambling off that screen. So it's just just another way to go about this. Thank goodness they have Tom Thibodeau because, you know, he's a good tactician and he's going to to figure a lot of this stuff out. Tibbs will be ready. He's battle-tested, and, and I trust him in this scenario. And as you said, I definitely want to look to exploit Trey Young on, on some of these mismatches. It's much smaller guard. See if you could get him into some foul trouble. Maybe you take away his aggressiveness. Go at Capella. You know, and that's one of the things with the Knicks is that, you know, one of the things where they didn't improve this season is, is getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. Whether it's Julius, RJ, uh, Peyton, even Derrick Rose at times. He, he just seems to be unlucky with, with getting... Uh, finishing at the rim, I'd like to see the Knicks attack a lot more, see if they can get draw Capella into some foul trouble. Once you take him out the game, it's going to make things a lot easier. Hopefully, you know, they switch that up because if the shots aren't falling, luckily they have as they finish the season well offensively, but if the shots aren't falling, we, we got to attack, man. Definitely have to attack. 
No, I'm with you. And look, they don't have great rim protectors. Capella's good down there, but yeah. it's not like you're dealing with, you know, an elite top three rim protector. So yeah. I'm with you. Attack, attack, attack. But look, you know how these playoff series go, man. This this series is going to come down to the three point shot. Yeah. I mean, the Hawks take a bunch of them. The Knicks, I think, wound up with the third highest three point percentage third in the highest. league. Yep. Which, by the way, how mind boggling is that? <laughs> yeah. The first three weeks of the season, we're all talking about how the team can't shoot, and all of a yeah. sudden, the third best three point shooting team in the league. It's incredible, really, man. you know. 40% for Julius and R.J. Barrett. Who would yeah. have thought it? Yeah. But it's it's going to come down to that. And really, to me, these teams have very different styles. But in terms of the their level of play, I mean, they're almost equal. And I know, you know, Mark Berman had that good story today from the scouts. I think the Hawks have more talent. And you know what? Yeah, the Hawks probably do have more talent. Yeah. But most of the teams in the league have more raw talent than the Knicks. Right. But their defense, the way they're coached, the way they play together, their intensity is what sets them apart. So – they have to leverage that, and they're going to have to keep hitting their threes. Like if Reggie yeah. Bullock and RJ and Rose don't hit their three walls in the series, in the series, Cook. the Knicks ain't going to win. Yeah. I mean, it's really that simple. So they need to continue shooting well. I'm, I hope Rose, after missing that that game, his floater was a little bit off in that last one. I hope he gets his shot going again because they need it desperately. They yeah. need him to be able to attack Trey Young and and exploit that matchup when they're on the floor together. But this is going to come down to a three point game because the Knicks defense, if it has a weakness, is they still allow middling in the league in three-point attempts. If the Hawks are burying their threes and the Knicks aren't, they're just not going to win the series. So yeah, I hate to simplify it that much, dude, but that that's pretty much how this is going to go. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And uh, I want to salute everybody in the chat once again. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. CP and John Smelk from WFAN's The Bank Shop Podcast here previewing the Knicks versus Hawks matchup. Make sure you guys are hitting that thumbs up button. I want to shout out NY Dad one who sends a super chat. He says, Tibbs definitely coach of the year. Randall definitely MIP. Even a legitimate shot at MVP. Nine guy developing just right. RJ Barrett. Please put Elf on the shelf. And, and, yeah, that's what I mean, John, when you factor in Tibbs' as coach of the year. I mean, look at all these guys on our team that are legitimate candidates for some of these awards. Yeah. You know, Julius, MVP, certainly should be the MIP. Quickly's up there in, in Rookie of the Year. Won't win, but certainly up there for consideration. You have Tibbs, Coach of the Year. Derrick Rose, you know, Clarkson's probably going to get the sixth man, but Derrick Rose certainly deserves his accolades as well. And and I think that that's just incredible, man. It's just incredible. Yeah, look, it's the combination of player development. It's funny. The fact that the team's good is probably hurt quickly, right? If, yeah. If the team was bad and he was playing 30 minutes a game, he might win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. But he's only averaging, what, 18 a game, 20 a game, something like that? So, you know, that's actually probably hurt him. But, yeah, the combination of player development all that stuff. And, yeah, Randall, if he doesn't win most improved player, there should be an investigation. I'm telling his, I mean, he turned up from – a player that I think we talked in the offseason, whether it was here on, on, on the bank shot, mm-hmm. that we were thinking about, all right, well, how do you do a trade with Randall at the trade deadline to maximize your return? That was right. what our conversation was right. on December 1st this year, right? And now we're talking about maybe second-team All-NBA. <laughs> He's going to get MVP yeah. votes, and rightfully yeah. so. I mean, it's the transformation from you know his perspective is improved shooting, which really is historic, how well he's improved the shooting and, and the way Thibodeau's trusted him. It's like two guys just coming together that's a good fit. And, boy, I mean, you wouldn't recognize this player if you watched him last year under Thibodeau to watching him now, you know, last year under Fisdale compared to watching him now under Thibodeau. 
Perfect combination, man. Absolutely perfect combination. If you guys want to call in with your questions, the number is 657-383-1509. We're also taking calls on the Discord. A couple other Super Chats that have come in. Salute to Sam, who sends a Super Chat. He says we're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. No one wants the Knicks smoke. So Sam's jumping all the way out the window on that one, John. He's, he's feeling it. He, I'm telling you, man. I was out there after Knicks Spurs. I got mobbed on 7th Avenue. We had the mosh pit going. You know, Knicks versus Hornets after the win. The, the crowd was was just uh, euphoric outside and, and for the season closer as well. So, you know, Knicks fans deserve it. They definitely deserve oh, yeah. it. Um, salute to Alan Berman. Sends a super chat. He says, salute. I got my tickets for Atlanta. Let's go. So Alan Berman's going to be down there. I'm thinking about going down there as well. Nice. And uh, Cuomo said today that they're expecting more capacity at MSG and Dolan as well. I think they're saying something along the lines that uh, they're going to have separate sections for the vaccinated people uh, for COVID-19. Those people, there'll be more seats filled there versus the unvaccinated. But um, James Dolan has said that it won't be, uh, you know, vaccinated people in the front, no non-vaccinated people in the back, but they're going to figure out something like that. But they're expecting up to 13,000 at MSG. Yeah, uh, CP, I can games. actually break some news for you because I got my email as a next season ticket holder. Okay. And, this, and, and the Breaking season news. ticket sales go. go on sale tomorrow for season ticket holders. Yeah. And I can tell you exactly what it says in the email. Um, fully vaccinated individuals uh, with no social distancing, they will have a, a section for that, to your point, um, or your proof of vaccination. Masks will not be required for fully vaccinated individuals while in designated vaccinated sections. Children under the age of 16 will still be required to, to wear a mask. And then in other locations, to your point, they're going to have socially distanced seating, mm. um, and you have to, again, you know, get your test if, if you're going to sit in those. So, yeah, I mean – these players are saying, dude, that, you know, it sounded full when they were, you know, 20, you know, two to 2,500 people in the stands. Can you imagine what 13,000 are going to sound like to these guys? And frankly, to the Hawks come into yeah. that building with a yeah. near full crowd in the garden for like the first time in, in you know, a year and a half to experience something like that. That might throw all the players for a loop, and especially the road team, to be quite honest with you. Listen, man, I went to when they opened up, I went to Knicks Kings the first night they reopened. I went to Nick's Suns, and I just went to Nick's Spurs. Now, Gilbert Arenas claim that they're pumping in crowd noise. I highly doubt it. The crowd is loud. They are electric. And even with 2,000 people, it is, it, is grand, it is pandemonium in there, John. I'm telling you. Pumping in cr- crowd noise? Yeah. This is New York, man. We don't come we, we don't. This is not Brooklyn, Gilbert Arenas. All right? Slow down. Slow down. This, this is not Brooklyn. So, uh, yeah, interesting tidbits there for the fans that are planning to go to the playoffs. I want to also shout out my guy, Jason Calacanis. J. Cal checking in from the Bay Area. He says, we will win in six. This will be a dogfight. So shout out to J. Cal. Thanks for the super chat. J. Cal's going Knicks in six. All right, we'll do, we'll do our predictions. But first up, I want to get to the Discord. King D's, you're going to be up first on the Discord. Go ahead and uh, unmute your microphone. Yo, what's good? What's good? You know, it always takes a second on a Discord. Yeah, man. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Shout out to you, CP. Mr. Don Cornelius, man. You're everywhere. I'm trying to watch Alan Hahn with the preview show on MSG. I see you running it up today. Salute to you, CP. Because Thanks, at man. the end of the day, you made this this community and this community's following what you what you created. So I just got one question, and yep. I'm gonna make it short. Because mm-hmm. in my opinion, I feel like this this whole series is about two things: rebounding and bench play. Now I don't know. I don't know how far I don't know how far Nate is gonna go into his bench, but I just want to ask in in your opinion, 
what bench is stronger right now? That's all I wanted to ask. I'm going to hang up. Yeah. Ooh, it's a good question. Yeah, good question. Let's see. The Hawks are going with, they got Lou Williams, veteran, six-man candidate. You know, he's going to look to get cooking. You have Snell. You have Danilo. Uh, where do do where do they bring DeAndre Hunter? Do they bring him off the bench or not? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And how deep do you – you know, Thibodeau's a guy to shorten his rotation too, right? Right. How much do you think he's going to tighten? I mean, you can't – I mean, how many minutes is he going to play Julius Randle? But right. do you think he's going to drop this rotation down to eight? Are the only guys coming off the bench going to be like Burks, Taj, and IQ? Q? And, again, this is assuming that Rose is the starter. Yeah. Is he going to shorten it that much? I think that's something we don't necessarily know either, right? The thing is, is, you know, Obi's got to get some sort of minutes, you know, give, give Julius a little Gatorade, uh, you know, breather for a second. Well, here, you know, here's the thing, though, right? If yeah. Gallinari's their backup four, right? Mm-hmm. You could put a three on him. You don't need to have a power forward off the bench yeah. on Gallinari if you don't want to. Like, maybe, if you want to put Burks on him or Barrett. Yeah, maybe I mean, go RJ, small ball four. It's fine. I, I so against this team, yeah. do you have to have OB play? Look, I think the kid's earned it. He's played a lot better the last month. I hate not to, to you know take that away from him, mm-hmm. but I think you could play a small ball four when Gallinari's in the game for Atlanta based just on how he plays. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like you said, it could be RJ. And then, you know, that gives you a lot more ops and gives you some more spacing. Um, does Tibbs go with a shorter lineup? I mean, you factor in Rose, he's definite, right? Taj, definite. I've got to factor in Burks. Especially the way they've been trending now with Burks almost being the closing point guard in some stretches, you're definitely going to need him to be to fill in within the third and fourth quarter. I think Burks' role is going to be important as a playmaker, as a shot creator, as a guy that can get to the free throw line for you. That's going to be critical. So I can't see him losing minutes. Maybe IQ is the odd man out, depending on how well the Knicks are shooting. I'm not sure. But you got to factor in Burks, Rose, and Gibson. That's eight. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I think if Payton stays the starter, it has to be nine. Because I do think you need IQ shooting off the bench, right? Right, you need it. But if Payton gets removed, does he then go to eight, or does Frank sneak in as number nine? I think that's the interesting question. you got to get Frank in there, man. You, you no, I agree. Frank Look, I, he's he's their best defensive option against Burks and it's against Trey yeah. Young, and it's that it's not close. Yeah, I agree. So with that, I mean, I think the Hawks bench is deeper, but I I just like the way that the Knicks trio of guards with Burks, Rose, and quickly, I think they can be a difference maker in this series and more effective. And with Tosh, you know, being that veteran presence. Being a guy that can get in and defend, he can play the pick and roll. He gives you some more versatility. He's more reliable on the offensive side if he's got to put some tip-ins or, you know, force himself to get a basket in there, you know, rather than Noel. And I think he could end up finishing in in some games over Noel because you need a little bit more offense from him. So I think that I give the Knicks the edge um, just on the way that the season has gone. But I think the Hawks also have a formidable unit. Yeah, I almost think almost like the Hawks have more upside with their right, bench, but right. I think the Knicks, you feel better that they're going to be consistent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you trust Burks, you trust Rose, you trust Taj, they're veterans, you know what you're going to get out of them. Right. And then IQ is kind of the wild card. But the Hawks have, a, you know, besides, you know, Gallo, they have a bunch of guys that are kind of young, and Lou Williams, you know how he is. He's, you know, yeah. one night he's a flamethrower, the next night he can't at anything. Yeah. So I think as a steady presence, I like the Knicks, but there could be a game or two where that Hawks bench comes in 
and they're flamethrowers, nice and they win the game for Atlanta. So, yeah. we'll see. Never know. Never know. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to uh, JJ from Brooklyn. You're up next. JJ, how you doing, man? What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? Good, man. Yo, how you doing? we're good. Good, good. Yeah, one thing I agree with you, CP. This is this is this year is for Frank, man. You could put him on Trey Young. You could put him on Bogdanovich. Yeah. Even Collins. You know, I think he could guard one through four. So I think he could be a key. I just hope I hope he gets the minutes. You know, and the one thing because you don't have anyone that could guard Trey Young. Payton, I don't even want him in the game. Rose and quickly, they're not defenders. Frank is. Frank is our best chance to stop Trey Young, as well as Bogdanovich. He's been right. red hot for right. a while now. And the thing that I'm a little worried about that could help the Hawks is they recently got DeAndre Hunter back, and right. he's probably their best chance at stopping Randall. It's like 6'9 with a 7'2 wingspan, really, really good defender. I don't know if they're going to start him or not, but if they're going to put Collins on Randall, he's going he's gonna to dominate. So I don't think they're going to do that. But if they do put Hunter on Randall – I think RJ, that should be RJ's time, man. If they're going to put Bogdanovich or someone like Collins on RJ, he's got to eat, man. Yeah. You know, if they're not going to have someone like Hunter on him, that's his time to shine, man. I think if they do that, I think RJ's going to come through big, and I'm just excited. I just, I think Capella's a huge mismatch for us. Big I honestly think that um, Todd Gibson is actually – I think Todd would actually give us a better chance at stopping Capella on the glass because he's a little stronger, you know, a little more built down there. So, you know, it's just going to be a tough matchup, man. I know so many people are saying, I wish we had Mitch, but Mitch is kind of like Noel where he struggles with these type of centers as well. So yeah. it's not like Mitch was rebounding great for a big guy who's only averaging like seven or eight boards in like 28, 29 minutes. So he wasn't, you know, rebounding as great as we would have hoped. So. But yeah, I just can't wait to get this, you know, to get this series started, man. Next in six. Let's Appreciate go. It, Let's go, night. JJ. Let's yeah, go. I think you, I think um, Mitch would certainly have his work cut out for him against Capella as well. I just think number one on the offensive glass, he would help keep some balls alive for you, boxes out a lot better, and then switchability, having Mitch out there on the perimeter, trying to keep some of the some of the Hawks perimeter players at bay preventing some shots, intimidating some shots. We know we know Mitch's prowess at blocking three-point shots and things of that nature. So I, I think Mitch's presence will definitely be missed in this series, John. No, look, I'm with you. I think – and if you look, you said Capella's performance in that first game against Mitch, it wasn't nearly as good as he did against um, Noel later on in the series. You know, Hunter is 6'8", but he's 225. And I feel like if you put him on Julius Randle – that is an automatic Julius Randle go into the low post at 250 pounds. I mean, look, for you guys that go play ball at the park and you get a guy on you that outweighs you by 25, 30 pounds, the, he, that's, it's tough. That dude is going to move you. And I think if they put Hunter on Randle, that's an automatic post up. And they're going to have to eventually bring a double team over. So I yeah. agree he might be their best shot. But I still don't think it's a great option for them. I think Randall will get him into foul trouble rather quickly, to be quite honest with you. So I still like that matchup for the Knicks. But it, it might get a, it, it might it might be their best shot. Um, yeah, look, Capella's a problem. Yeah. And offensive rebounding against Noel has been an issue in different games this year against really big, strong, powerful centers. And that's going to be a problem. And, and I agree with JJ. I think you're going to get to the point in the series, like I said earlier, that 
you know, Todd Gibson might end up being a better yeah. option depending on who's in the game as this series goes along. I'm, I'm yeah. with him. Because I also think Taj can provide you that versatility if you are switching out on, on smaller guards. Taj can give you that versatility by guarding a bit better on the perimeter as well. And and in terms of, you know, Julius versus Hunter matchup, if Hunter does have his advantage, that's what we said earlier, that the supporting cast has got to step up. Bullock has got to be to continue being that flamethrower that he's been to close this season. RJ's got to knock down his open threes. And that's why Rose's role is so critical because he's been in these situations before, in these pressure cooker situations, so that he can take the pressure off of Julius. Um, That's why I love Rose in the closing situations as well, being a guy that can create shots for others so that we not have to rely on, you know, isolation Julius, which has been a disaster in, in crunch time as well. And so, yeah, you know, supporting cast is just going to have to do their job for the Knicks to get this this done. No, I'm with you, man. Look, Rose is going to have to make big shots. RJ is going to have to finish at the rim, too. The open yeah. threes are great. Right. But if he gets mismatches on... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Switches, dude. His his finishing at the rim the last three weeks not has not been, been great. No. So he's going to have to start doing a better job. I feel like he's gone away from some of those kind of, you know, little up and under moves he was trying mm-hmm. mid-year, some of those little floaters that he was trying, and he went to his right hand more. And he was using some real creativity. I feel like he's kind of gotten back to that, just drive into the guy's chest, right. hope for a foul, and kind of kind of just try to throw the ball over the defender. That's what he's doing last year. That doesn't work. Yeah. So I, I would like to see him use some of that, you know, against a team that doesn't defend that well. He should be able to do a better job finishing at the rim uh, this series. And the Knicks are going to need it, too, because at some point, with all the switching and Randall and the helps, help defense, he's going to have lanes to the basket. He's yeah. going to have to finish at the rim. He's going to have to finish. And it's been frustrating for him and the fans to watch that. It doesn't seem like he's getting the benefit of the whistle either, John, he's lately. Not. You know, I don't know if he's too strong out there for the guys, but he has me getting the whistle. Conversely, what what I've read, I believe it was in The Athletic, they were saying that the league is going to review Trey Young's uh, ability to draw fouls to, oh, see they should. If, if, to see if they need to alter it because – I mean, you just breathe on the guy and they're calling a foul. You know, he, he's had that hard and like ability to do so, but I'm glad the league is going to start looking into it as we head into this series. No, you're right. And look, Trey Young does, he does what Emmanuel quickly does, but like times a million. Yeah. Where he kind of, you know, stops, leans into the guy and then does his oh, Reggie Miller flop and, you know, he wants <laughs> fouls. Right, right. So look, and, and you see when players guard him, they get very frustrated. That's one thing if Frank does get on him. You know, Frank has been a little hacky yeah. this year. He, yeah. he gets a little aggressive. He's going to have to watch that 
against Young with his length. He doesn't have to be that, you know, up in his grove because he's so much longer than he is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a factor. I think RJ almost suffers a, a little bit from what happened with Melo, you know, five, six years ago where, you know, they jump into the defender, but the defender has the correct position when he does. So that's why he doesn't get – like, Carmelo was the king of just – jumping shoulder first into a defender jumping straight up. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get the call that way. And I think RJ does a little bit of that. It's not to the same extent, but if you want to go back even further for older Nick fans, you know, Stefan Marbury was always one of the stronger point guards in the league, right? Oh yeah. So he would power his way to the rim, get hit, but you wouldn't see his body get, you know, flung all over the place because he was so strong, a lot like RJ. And these refs look for, the impact affecting the shooter, and those guys are so strong, you don't see that impact. So I think that's yeah. part of the reason why they don't get those calls. Interesting indeed. So to everyone in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. CP John Smelt, this is the crossover edition of Knicks Fan TV Live presented by Manscaped. We are previewing the Knicks versus Hawks series. The audio version is also going to be available on John's WFAN Bank Shop podcast, so make sure you support them. And I also want to salute some of the Super Chats that have come in. Shout out to Steve Verner. He sends a Super Chat and says, Obi has to play for development. He says, Frank has to play defense and occasional spot-up threes. And IQ has to play uh, three-point shooting and to open up the floor. So uh, Steve is rounding out the rotation. He thinks it's going to be um, business as usual and maybe even sprinkling some Frank. Also, another Super Chat has come in. From Above the Rim, so salute to Above the Rim. He says Oneka Okongwu is healthy. Do not sleep on him. Okongwu did finish. He had a nice game last night against the Rockets. Uh, two different offensive schemes when Capella is in versus Okongwu. So Above the Rim is throwing a sleeper pick into the mix coming off that Hawks bench that we talked about earlier. So going to be some interesting dynamics, interesting matchups. Um, John, when is when is the uh, the game one? Did, did they send you information on when game one was, or are they just saying, hey, just pay up now, we'll tell you the rest later? That's pretty <laughs> much what it seems to be, <laughs> which is – which, by the way, uh, not to get too personal what's going on, but I'm yeah. traveling over the weekend, so I am really would love to know when the games are going to be. Right. So I know what, what games I should try to buy tickets to because I'm sure there's not going to be a ton of them available. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I have no idea. I've heard, I think it's going to be either Saturday or Sunday. Mm. And then I imagine it'll be, you know, every other day or every two days, you know, like, I don't know how much they're spreading out. You know how it's been in the past where they kind of like the first round takes like three weeks. Yeah. And it just yeah. takes forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're doing that this year with how late they started the season, but I would, I think they're starting Saturday or Sunday and then it's going to be every two or three days, I think. Right. So we'll see. Right. I was thinking, I was, we were talking on the show yesterday as to when they might start. I was thinking just, you know, not, not being a ratings expert, well, I'm thinking, you know, New York, do we get the Sunday matinee kickoff? You have the better matchups on Sunday. Typically, you know, Saturday when people are not home, they usually give you some, some more boring ones. Do you get the four or fives on the Sunday? Maybe, maybe it's a Sunday matinee. That's just my guess for right now. Yeah, look, you always want to get New York in their best ratings window, yeah. and you know that usually is that you know late afternoon Sunday look where they try to get you in there. Maybe it'll even be Sunday night on ESPN. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, look, I agree. I don't know. I wish I did. I tell you because I'm I've been emailing my ticket rep and they go, "What's up with the schedule?" And they they got nothing. I don't know why the NBA 
feels like they have to wait until after these playing games to make those calls. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but yeah. that's what that seems to be what they're doing. See what transpires. I know the ticket season ticket holders. Well, you guys are going to have your ability to purchase tomorrow, so we'll see if anything trickles out as the week progresses. Um, so to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Quick reminder that this show is presented by Manscaped. Fellas, Manscaped is the number one men's grooming tool from head to toe. Go out there and get the new Lawnmower 4.0, fellas. This is like the Ferrari of ball trimmers, man. This is what you need to get it going for the spring and the summertime. Listen, playoffs are going to be coming. Cardiac Nick events. It's going to be very hot and sweaty down there. So you got to make sure that you trim those hedges with the Lawnmower 4.0. And what I like about it is it comes with this uh, aerodynamic skin safe technology to make sure that, uh, you know, you don't get those nicks. Not the, not the good nicks, but the bad nicks. You want to cut bad those nicks. down. It comes with a nice LED spotlight. All right, and this is much, much larger than the 3.0, so uh, this is good. If you guys want to do it in the dark, whatever you guys are into, that's there for you as well. Um, great battery life. It has a wireless charger as well as a wired charger as well. And for this show, as always, they're giving you guys 20% off plus free shipping with promo code NYX. So go to manscaped.com, enter promo code NYX for 20% off plus free shipping. You just have to pay the bills a little bit, John. You know what I mean? You just have to pay the bills. <laughs> All right. Let's go to uh, Ron from Baltimore's up next. Ron, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. This is this is the most fun uh I've had in a long time. Uh we're talking playoffs. Just have a few quick comments mm-hmm. I wanted to get you see sure. if you guys agree with me on. Mm-hmm. Um first Julius Randall down the stretch of games. It's not just Julius. The other guys gotta make themselves available. And my thing is Julius has been making his jump shot at times. I don't love the fadeaway down the stretch. I'm not saying he can't make those CP and John. I, mm-hmm. I know I've seen him make them. But what I'm saying is I'd like him to attack. Now Capella's a bigger body, so you don't always you can't always attack. You can't always get right to the cup. I'd like him to attack more. And if he's going to shoot a jump shot, I'd like it to be right around the elbow where he's usually been money. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer his step-back jumper over his fadeaway where he goes backwards just because he's playing so many minutes, and I, I get worried that he, he gets a little bit tired and his jump shot falls a little short. But, um, look, he's going to make the decisions. He's watching the film. I, we all see CP. Totally agree with you. Down the stretch of a few of these games, he's got to be better and get out of his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, with RJ – my comment on RJ is I'd like him to get some easy ones in transition and they have been posting them up more. I agree. The refs have not given him the whistle, but I still think he's got some favorable matchups. I'd like him to get a couple post touches because Mm -hmm. not everything can be from three. He's been great from three, but you got to get some easy ones. And then the last comment I have, and I know you probably will disagree with this, but it's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. Alec Burks for two to three minutes reminds me of Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter. (laughs) I'm not kidding. No, no, I, I, I know I got thrown off the air on a different show by saying that, but I'm not kidding. There are t- it's only about two minutes, CP. It's not he's not Michael Jordan, but there yeah. are two minutes where Alec Burks turns into Michael Jordan, where I don't want anybody near him. Get out of the way and give him the ball and just let him work. Yeah. I, what are your thoughts on those three things? And I'll I'll, I'll hang up. But enjoy the games, guys. Thank you, man. Thanks for the call, Ron. 
Listen, I, I would say with Julius, um, you're looking for better decision-making all around, not just in closing situations, but in the game at large. As far as the uh, as far as far the fadeaway, you know, watching him take those those baseline fadeaways in particular at, at a certain point, I don't know if he finished this way, but he was leading the league in efficiency with that shot. So it's hard to sometimes kind of question the arsenal. I just hope that, you know, in, in crunch time, he gets better looks, whether it's him taking better shots or the guard setting him up a, a little bit more. Gotcha. Yeah, he, you know, see, here's the problem with Randall and crunch time. You know, to get to those little turnaround fadeaways, and I like the one when he either, you know, turns baseline over his left shoulder yeah. or turns into the middle of the paint where he kind of tries to draw the contact with his arms and then he does that, you know, further turn into the paint. It's kind of that same fadeaway LJ used to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love those shots. I think they're pretty high-quality shots for him, but the problem is that he can't get to those from the post late in games because mm-hmm. the minute he touches the ball on the block late in the game, Guys are coming. They're coming at him, yeah. And yeah. they're not going to let him get that shot off. The yeah. same way, yeah. Do I want him to take it to the rack? Yeah. Well, if you watch, the minute he gets the ball on the wing, you see the weak side big man go across the paint and literally plant himself between him and the basket mm-hmm. as a second defender. So I agree with you. I think it's about his decision-making, and I understand he feels the responsibility of taking that last shot, and I respect the hell out of him for that, and he's been done a, a great job with it. Mm-hmm. But when that happens and teams over-rotate to him to force him into those, you know, contested pull-ups, those step-back jumpers, those low, those low percentage shots, the Knicks need to figure out some off-ball motion yeah. to get other guys better yeah. looks. Yeah. Because just standing there is not going to work because teams will rotate fast enough on those passes to, to get to them before they can take the open three. So I think it's all about how the Knicks – Julius, one, has to make the quick pass and the quick decision, to your point. But I do think the caller makes a point that the other guys have to get to a spot where they can take a quick open shot off that extra help rotating to Julius. And I don't think we quite see enough of that late games. Fair? Yeah, I I agree. Um, What we do see early is is that delayed cut, that delayed pass connection between Julius and Bullock. Yep. That's I, I love that, and and Bullock is one of the better off-ball uh, movers on the team. They don't run too much off-ball action, but when they do, it's, it's usually Bullock, and, and they usually have great chemistry there. Hopefully, you see a little bit more of that. Um, in terms of RJ, I, I agree with him. He's got to take advantage of, of uh, his opportunities, not just as a shooter, but attacking the mismatches. Maybe we can get um, him on Trey Young in, in the post. We did see a couple opportunities for RJ in post-up situations uh, as, as the year kind of progressed. I hope he gets better at that. We also saw them utilizing him in the middle to be a zone breaker in some instances. And unfortunately, he just doesn't have to touch Within 4 to 14 feet, he still needs to work on that. I, I think that will be a, a nice uh, to-do for the summertime. But if, if they go to it, he's got to knock those down or look for it to make that pass. Maybe he finds a big man in the dunker spot to make a play as well. Yeah, look, they need someone else to win in that you know mid-range area. That's yeah. not Julius Randle. Yeah. I'm with you 100%, whether it's RJ catching it and taking it to the basket or getting a mismatch in the post and getting that little left-handed floater or, or flip shot that he has or hook. You know, However you want to look at it, that's fine. But they do need eventually at some point someone not named Julius Randle is going to have to win against the mismatch. And Barrett and Rose are probably your two best shots there with Quickly probably and Burks 
as your third and fourth best option. Yeah, and as you as you mentioned, Burks, Michael Jordan, Calvin. I don't know about that, but look, the, the can two, I have what he's drinking? Please? Yeah, right. But the two games I did go to, whether it was the, the Kings game or the Spurs game, I mean, Burks had some quarters where he had like between 15 and 18 points. He's a guy that could light it up for you, and he's going to be important to this team, not just as a shooter, but as a guy that can get to the basket, has good ball control, body control to get to the line, and you know. The problem is, as the emergency point guard, he's susceptible to mistakes. He doesn't have the best ball handling. I mean, oh, he's not a perimeter. Point guard. Right. He's not a true point guard. In, a, in an emergency duty, he may be able to get it done for you. I just think his shot creating is so important. And with Peyton struggling, you got to go to him. Well, let, me have this, let me ask you this, CP. What is your ideal? Yeah. If you need a point, I'm going to throw defense out. You need yeah. a basket. Who are the five guys you want on the floor to get the close out again? To close out the game, I'm going to go with Rose. All you need is one possession, one point. Yeah. That's all, that's one all you're worried about. One possession, one point. I'm going Rose. One possession, one point. I'm going to go Rose, Burks, Bullock. I'll, I'll even throw RJ out there and Randall. I'll go Randall, small ball five. I'm with you. I would consider putting IQ out there. Uh, yeah, I was thinking IQ. I'm like, I don't know. It, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard, man. I've, I've been such an RJ guy this year. It's hard to take him out. It's hard not seeing him closing crunch time. Uh, but Tibbs, Tibbs has shown that he's not afraid to do it. And, and By the way, RJ's made some big threes, too, on, yeah. on catching shoots on the baseline in, in late in games. Too. Right. So he's shown he can do it. I think that's the deal, right, where you kind of figure it out by game. So if Bullock's yeah. off, you take him off the court. If RJ's off, you take him off the court. And then right. that's kind of how you work that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But as you said, man, we got to factor in IQ as well and, and get his shooting in there because he's an absolute absolute sniper. So let's see how they integrate those guys. Um, we'll be taking a couple more calls. We'll tell everybody in the chat once again, hit that thumbs up button. For you. Uh, Omar from Manhattan is up next. Omar, how you doing, man? What's up, guys? How you doing, man? Long what a time. time. Yeah, um... You know, uh, first off, just wanted to say, you know, congrats to the fan base, but also congrats to UCP and John. Uh, you guys, you know, before the season had kept up with the pandemic content with the team, and I feel like uh, you guys should be celebrated. You kept us engaged and entertained this whole entire time, and thank you, you guys deserve this as thank much you. as anybody. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, man, you know what, though? It's fun. We love the team, and we do it for you guys because we yeah. know they, there are a lot of sick people out there like us, <laughs> and we've got to keep the message that the word, otherwise man. it's going to be trouble. Yeah, special, I would say, but, yes, yeah, sick in the rings, yes. <laughs> it's much appreciated. Um, you know, first off, I just want to say, like, with Tibbs, I almost feel like people are being dismissive of the job he's done. Like, no disrespect to Monty Williams or Quinn Snyder. But if you told anybody before the season the Knicks would be the four seed and mm-hmm. ten games over five hundred, like you'd be laughed off any TV show, yeah. radio show that you tried to, to make that take to. Yeah, I laughed at a couple people like, in the preseason. They've had great years, but if you, we were nineteen games over our, our Vegas over under. Mm-hmm. Like Utah and the Suns are ten, eleven, twelve games over. Like I don't think it's even a debate. To tell you the truth, like they were expected to be good teams. Uh, so I, re- I really think it shouldn't even be a debate. Um, in regards to this matchup coming up, if we're already thinking about maybe benching Alfred Payton game two or game three, why wouldn't, why wouldn't we just do it? No, they should. They sh- I would. They I should. Would. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't, like if Tibbs is already thinking about it, he should absolutely do it. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, that's the thing, though. The we don't know that Tibbs made. is thinking about it. We're thinking um, about right. it. Right. That's. I don't the know thing. if Tibbs is thinking that's about it. Thing. You know. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if if you were worried about the Hawks doubling Randall, then that right there should be enough. Yeah. Um, and you ideally would like a point guard in there who can attack Trey. Yeah. And expose his defensive defensive limitations. And I mean, we're not putting the ball in Alfred's hands to do that. <laughs> that that's a fact, man. I appreciate the call, over. Yeah, absolute facts, man. Absolute facts. I, I'm not playing any games with this series. I'm going right to D Rose, and then I'm going to Burks. Uh, if I need IQ for a little bit, I'll go to IQ if we need to. I need Frank's defense out there. I, I want him in the rotation, and I, I say, Elf, thanks for your service for the last two years. We'll take you from here. CP, I, look, I I don't want to get Nick fans too excited. But could you just for a second imagine the reaction if in our imaginary world here that, like, Frank Nielakina gets, like, a stop on Trey Young, blocks a <laughs> floater, time, and he comes back the other side, hits, like, an open baseline three to give the Knicks, like, a lead with yeah. under two minutes to go? In game that seven. place might explode. In game seven in MSG. <laughs> hey, it I'm would be crazy, it, man. I would love every minute of it. It would be nuts. Listen, I, I am a card-carrying holder of the Frank Hive, man. You know, but but I I was disappointed obviously because he he just never really capitalized on his opportunities and and it just had his, hasn't worked out. But I would love to see that, and I'm advocating him to get big minutes in this series, no question. Hey, see, though, look, give the kid credit though. Look, we talked about like a lot. You know, we thought he could be a point guard. I think that ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. But we also said his floor was a guy that could play really good defense and hit an open three. Dude, shooting over forty percent from three. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, legit, the guy is pretty good when he's open. So yeah. I really think there's no reason this guy can't have a 10-, 12-year career in this league as a 3-and-D player. There Agreed. really isn't. Agreed. Agreed on, on all counts. All right, guys, we got 10 minutes to go. I want to hear from Angel. I want to hear from um, Papa Left. I'm going to close with Angel. Uh, who else we got? In? And we got J.D. J.D. up first. We got 10 minutes. Just keep it quick. Thanks for calling. What's going on, CP? How you doing, man? Yo. Doing doing good, man. Uh, outstanding spot today at, with the putback with Ian Begley. Thanks, bro. We was in there heavy supporting, so good spot there, John Schmoke. Big fan. Let's hope the Giants have a great season. Oh, yeah. Um, so real quick, I, um, you know, I, I think this is going to be a good matchup for RJ. I mean, it was a good matchup during the season. Uh, you know, he averaged 21 points in the three games, and he shot 47% from the field, 37.5% from three and five attempts. You know, I have some friends that are a little – they're, they're big RJ fans, so they really want him to have a good season because they think if he can have a, uh, I mean, a good playoff series because he, if he's able to, kind of you know, sets up what the season that he's had. So if he's able to have a good se- a series, I think that's a great way to to end the season. Now, you know, Peyton, I think the Knicks, you know, he he had 14 points in the first game. He played decently against the Hawks. So I think Thibodeau is hoping that he can give you something. You know, if you look at the numbers, he played decently against the Hawks throughout the season. Um, So I think – and you know how it is, CP. This is New York. At the end of the day, if Alfred Payne for six minutes in the first quarter is able to give you six solid minutes, we forget about the season. (laughs) We forget about the season. You know what I mean? So if he's able to play decently, give you something, listen, we're happy at the end of the day. And I'll close it out with this since, you know, I, I know you're in a rush. I have a question for you guys. Is game one a must win? Now, you know what the percentages are, 
And this is a team that, although Noel and Burks and Rose have playoff experience, our main guys, RJ and and Randall, do not. Is game one a must win? Because if we lose game one, depending how that, that game went, going into game two, you know Tom Thibodeau is going to get asked, lineup changes, you know how the playoffs are, you make adjustment, adjustments game to game. In your opinion, is game one a must win for us? And thank you, guys. Thank, thanks thank for you. the call, man. Listen, I think as long as we split the the split the the games, you take it. You know, you hope they don't buckle under the pressure and and you know uh, try to do too much in game two or or try to win it all in, in one shot. But I, I think as long as you split it, you, you keep going. You want to take this thing if you got to take it to seven game series, you got to do what you have to do. This is how I look at CP. This team, I think, had the seventh or eighth best home record in the league this year. They were great at home, so. I think if you go across the length of the series, they cannot afford to lose more than one game in the Garden. Yeah. Whether that's game one, two, five, or, you know, I don't care. But you can't lose more than one. If this team loses yeah. more than one game in the Garden, they probably don't win the series. So I'm with you. I don't consider game one a must win, but yeah. you better not lose both of them because yeah. then you're toast. Protect your home so, court. Yeah. Uh, look, would it be great to go to Atlanta up 2-0? Absolutely. Is it a must? No. So if they leave New York 1-1, one one, do you feel great about it? No. Are you slightly disappointed? Yes. Are you putting the stamp on the season? Hell no. Right. That That's how I see it. So to everyone in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. A couple more. Let's go Papa Left. You're up next, Papa Left. Yo, from a, from a fan's perspective, listening to this show, I can I can guarantee you I'm representing everybody right now. The amount of basketball knowledge and stimulation going on in our brains and the way we're envisioning exactly the the scenarios you guys are talking about. This has been not that we rank them CP, but this has yeah. been one of the better shows. Yeah, man, John, John's a great uh, guest. Amazing, amazing it. job. Thank you. Um, no, no doubt. Uh, it really gets into why the Knicks fan base is a unique fan base in sports because it's an intersectionality of hip hop culture. Uh, past, you know, the 70s, and also you have uh, pickup basketball. It's the easiest, uh, you know, a, a game to play. Uh, everybody's played a pickup game, and we're knowledgeable on, on that aspect and also from a cultural aspect, the diversity and, and all that kind of finds its way into, into a Knicks fan base like no other fan base, I think, in professional sports on this side of, of you know, the Americas. So I definitely wanted to say that. Now, my point on uh, Alfred Payton, uh, I was outside yesterday and we saw him exiting the player's entrance. Uh, he looked dejected. He looked, He actually looked back at, at, at me and I said, hey, Elf, you know, but unfortunately it almost looked like he was looking for a reaction or kind of uncomfortable. And nobody kind of gave him any love. And, you know, I'm not saying that to feel bad for Elf. I'm just saying that when you read someone's character, we're talking about the analytics and the, the different parts of the game. But when you talk about someone's character and the way that their energy is, I hope that Elfrey can take this week. And, you know, we could we could fantasize about him not starting. I think he's starting the whole series. That, that's my take. And, you know, he has six six minutes to go as hard as he can, pick up as many fouls as he can, make Trey Young's life like a nightmare because, He's a big dude. Him and Frank are, are really big dudes. I, I saw them up front and close. They're really big dudes. And also um, with Alfred, 
when Rose got here, remember, Alfred was playing much better because he felt he was losing his job. If he can just find his role in a similar way that other players on this team have sacrificed their per- personal development, whether it's RJ or Quickly or Obi Toppin coming in four minutes doing the two things they said he couldn't do, which were rebounding and playing defense, Alfred's just got to – he's got to pick it up. He's got to pick it up. We need those six minutes from him because that's what Tibbs wants. Um, and definitely, you know, I feel like we just got to attack Trey Young. If we attack Trey Young 48 minutes, make his life miserable, uh, we have the length at the guard position. And also Tibbs has to give Reggie Bullock the right <laughs> – we're talking basketball. we got to get Reggie Bullock a little bit of a slower foot matchup because he's been getting exposed against these quick, you know p- – penetrating guards, but uh, damn, what a, what a season. What a regular season. Let's go, Knicks. Let's, Let's take go. it as far as we can. Bapalev, thanks, thanks for the call, man. Thanks a lot for the call. All right, let's close it. John, how are you looking on time? I got time. We're cool. good. Okay. All right, uh, Angel, we're going to close it with you, Angel. Uh, you're up next. Yo, 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 CP, John, what's good, brothers? How y'all feeling today? How you doing, man? We're good, man. What up? I'm good. Hey, listen, man, first thing first, y'all hit that thumbs up for your boys, man. Hit that thumbs up. But um, listen, man, you know, when it comes to this series, um, I was just looking at some numbers, you know. Uh, First of all, you know, the the officials are going to play a big part. You know, I was listening to Brian Windhorst, and he was saying that they're not going to call as many fouls for, um, you know, Trey Young because, you know, he gets a lot of foul calls. So they're going to let us be more physical. So I'm hoping that's the case. But, you know, I've been watching a lot of of, uh, Atlanta games, you know, and they uh they had the top seven you know, top seven easiest schedule to end the season. So they've been playing in a lot of easy teams that don't play defense. We play defense. So when it comes to Trey Young, you know when he sets that pick and roll, either make him pass that ball or follow him and block that shot from behind. And we can't just keep letting him penetrate and then you know get some easy floaters. You know we got to make him earn it. Now he's gonna make some buckets, but you know we gotta make him earn it. You know and then you know when it comes to the rebounding, you know when you look at the stats. You know, the last uh, five or six games, you know, we, we've given up more than 11 offensive rebounds. Yeah. That's not good when you're playing teams like, you know, Atlanta. You know, and when it comes to Clint Compella, you know, he had 22 rebounds the last time we played him. He had 18 the second game, and he had 13 the other one. So the big men are going to have to box out, man. Uh, you know, we're not going to beat them if we're giving up, you know, one person getting over 10 offensive rebounds. That's yeah. not going to beat Atlanta. You know, and – you know, in the end, you know, like I said yesterday, you know, um, we got to keep moving that ball. And um, RJ, man, you know, like he's only shooting 12 or 13 times a game, 17 points, you know, per game. You know, he's going to have to score around 22 to 25 points a game, I think, because RJ is going to be big. You know, I think Julius Randle, he solidified his status in doing his thing and becoming an all-star. I think he's a superstar player. That's just my opinion. But you know, RJ's going to have to come up big, you know. And the guards, you know, we can't have second halves where the guards don't show up and make shots. Even if it's not threes, just make some buckets, you know. And my question to you guys, man, um, Alfred Payne, bro, you know, I'm not calling him by his name. I'm calling him Brett Top from Mortal Kombat. I already told you all that. <laughs> and, you know, in the end, you know, um, this dude has literally given us nothing and we've still been winning. So my advice, I would start Alec Burke. You know, because I like the way Rose plays with Obi Toppin, you know, and and then and then if you need to switch it, you know, vice versa, you know, put Rose in and then have Alec Burks play with the bench. But either or I'm good with, but, um, you know, um, 
the way that Alfred has been, well, Reptile has been playing the last, you know, couple of games, you know, um, if you're not going to start him after the first, you know, couple of games, would you rather go with Rose or Alec yeah. Burks? I would start Alec Burks because he has been on the floor with the starters a lot. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we would be a lot better with him because you can see it, man. As soon as they put either one of those two or quickly, this team, you know, scores buckets. You know, it's just you, you can't have five or six games in a row averaging two assists a game with yeah. zero points. That's yeah, not going to beat Atlanta. True, man. But, but uh, as appreciate always, the fellas, call, Angel. Definitely appreciate it. We're just running up on time. No, I'm, okay. I'm going. I'm going. It's cool. Are you good? It's okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. Okay. Um, look, I think he touched on a lot of things that, that were good. Yeah. One, Trey Young, trying to block your shot from behind is how you foul him. I yeah, think right, right. You know, he kind of jumps back and does this whole thing, and that's how he gets hit. He shot 34 free throws against the Knicks in three games. That's uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think his points are kind of connected. That's why I would put Rose into the starting line of CP. I don't know about you. I'm putting him in. 100%, yeah, because 100%. if you put Burks in, who's guarding Trey Young? Right, right. It's a, it's a, you know, he talked about not wanting to put Bullock on quicker guards. Well, you don't want to put Bullock on him. Or you put Barrett on him. Yeah. You going to put Burks on him. I don't think that works. Now, do I want Derrick Rose chasing around Trey Young for 30 minutes either? And I don't think that's necessarily a recipe for success either, mm-hmm. which is why I think both of us want to see Frank in there because he can at least take some of that defensive pressure off the Knicks guards. But look, I think the, I think it was two calls ago. Payton, he's right. Yo, you're in there for six, seven minutes, yeah. dude. You should just be all over that dude and giving everything you can defensively and just making his life a living. You know what? Because mm-hmm. that, that that's, you're not going to hit an open three. You might get a couple drives to the basket against young, busy, smaller, but Look, that's what you have to get out of Alfred Payton, and it stinks that we're sitting here like, oh, well, as long as we just don't – as long as we're not down six after Payton checks out of the game, but that's the world we're living in right now, and that's why I think – look, Thibodeau's smart. He sees it. You know, there's a reason Payton's never in at the end of games. I mean, CP, he's never, ever in at the end of games. Thibodeau sees it. The question is when is he going to be willing to pull the trigger at the front half of games, and honestly, if the Knicks lose in game one and and Elf has a – you know, minus eight in 15 minutes, I think he's out of the starting line of the game. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. No time for games. But as Popolev said, listen, with, with your six minutes, the one thing Peyton does well is he puts his head down and gets to the rim. He doesn't finish as well. He's not passing <laughs> as much as he used to. Definitely not passing it to RJ, but he's going to attack the rim. So maybe you could, you could do that. Maybe you draw a foul on, on Young. Maybe you draw a foul on Capella and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But I'm going quick hook. I'm going immediately to Rose because he's our guy to get the offense going, whether it's in the half court or whether it's in transition. That is our true point guard, and we just hope that we can get to him and, and – that he has effective minutes because it seems like once he gets past, you know, that 25, 30 mark, he starts to taper downhill a little you know, CP, bit. CP, that was even my question for you. How yeah. long do you trust to play him? Can you play him 32 or is that Not too much? Not every night. Not every night, man. Watch, watching him in that Laker game, they almost brought him home in a body bag, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, just, I'm sitting there just holding my head. I said, oh, my goodness. He's not going to make it home. You're He's right. not going to make it home, John. I was concerned. And then, consequently, he didn't even play in the um, – uh, which game was it? The Spurs Clippers? game. I think the Spurs game. He didn't Spurs play. Game, yeah, Spurs game. He didn't right. even play. Mm-hmm. And I was there. So, you got to you, you know, you got to treat him with, with kid gloves there, put some ice on him. But uh, between between Rose and Burks, that, that combination is uh, is going to be important to this team. And hopefully Peyton in, in his little minutes can be effective. So, that's the story. But, uh, John, great show. 
I, I thought we, we definitely, um, you know, put put our all into this. What you is want your, my prediction? What is, yeah, what is your prediction? What is your prediction? John Smelk, I'm putting the camera on you, putting the spotlight on you. Look, I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. I think it's going to be a great series. It's going to be a fun, entertaining series. I don't think we're going to have one game where either team is held, I'll be bold, under 100 points. Teams are going to score. It's going to be a lot of threes. The Knicks only play close games, so they're going to be tight. Julius Randle and how dominant he is and how effective he is at the end of games, I think, is going to be the determining factor of who wins this series. If it was a neutral court, dude, I'd probably say Hawks in seven. But the Garden, 13,000 crazy fans. If this gets to seven, Knicks ain't losing. And I think it gets to seven. So I'm going Knicks in seven. Uh, I'm with you, man. I'm going Knicks in seven. Uh, We got to have a big series from Julius. From top to bottom, he has to be our guy. He's got to be the guy that he's been all year. How does he handle the pressure, the double teams? Can he make his teammates better as he's done for the most part of this year? And I'm relying on that supporting cast of Bullock, RJ, especially Derrick Rose. They've got to come through for him as as they've done. I think Alec Burks is going to give our bench a huge lift with his scoring ability as well. And let's get Frank out there and and play some defense. We got to rebound by committee. Noel, Randall, RJ, Obi, Taj. Even Burks has been a good rebounder since he's come back. So it's going to take everybody. We have to. Team effort, man. Team effort. effort. Limit the second chance opportunities for them so that they're not killing you from three or, you know, getting Trey going. And I think the Knicks will take this in seven. Everybody in the chat, leave your predictions. What do you think the Knicks will do? How do you think the Knicks will do this? At 8.25, meet me on Knicks Fan TV Instagram. I'm going live with Fat Joe to talk NBA playoffs. So once again, John, I definitely appreciate your insight. Welcome back. And we didn't get to to touch on Giants, man, but I know you pressed for time. But we'll we'll definitely have to come back and talk about Big Blue, man, because they had a great draft. Steve, you and everyone to do it, babe. I'm here for you. No worries. Thanks again, John. Much appreciated, man. No problem. That's John Schmelk, WFAN. Follow him on Twitter. John, what's your Twitter again? At Schmelk, there's At only Schmelk. one. There's only one. S C H M two E's, which is the tricky part. Yeah. Then L K, and of course uh, W F A N, uh, the Bank Shot, my Knicks podcast. Uh, you can find it on my Twitter handle. Go check it out. Uh, subscribe. I'll be. Yeah, I just recorded Dan Devine today from the Ringer. Dan's a Nick fan. Uh, is in Brooklyn right now, actually. That's where he lives. Uh, he's great. I'll have some other guys later on in the week. This will get posted up there too. Make sure you guys go subscribe. Check it out. And uh, hope to see you there, man. Absolutely, man. John, thanks again. Great job as usual. And everybody in the chat, thanks again. Thank you to Steve Verna. He sends a super chat. He says, uh, game one is a must win. Let me see what other super chats came in. Make sure I didn't miss any. Steve Verna, appreciate it. Uh, Dr. Blocktopus, Australian super chat, says, beat the Hawks. See how how we go in the tough second round matchup. Clips crumble, then get Lonzo and and fun guy Kawhi in the offseason. Speak it into existence. As I said, you guys can catch the audio version of this on WFBN's Bank Shop Podcast. You can also catch it on Knicks Fan TV Podcast as well. And uh, go to manscaped.com, promo code Knicks for 20% off plus free shipping. I'm going to Instagram right now, CP and Fat Joe, talking into the talking uh, NBA playoffs. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.